Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening to Your Neighbor a Priest, a podcast featuring commentary and theological reflection on local news and events in Southwest Washington and the larger themes that impact all of us as we wrestle with the challenges of life, and in particular American life, in the 21st century. I'm Father Nick Mather, Rector of St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Longview, Washington. I am your neighbor, and I am a priest. On today's episode, we'll look together at a topic that has consistently been front and center in the news cycle over this past year, racism. And we'll discuss how the church can and must respond to the systemic issues of racism that are prevalent throughout our nation, its founding, its history, and its present reality. Racism has remained at the forefront of our national conversation since the murder of George Floyd, an unarmed black man, at the hands of Derek Chauvin, a white police officer, just over one year ago. Through a series of protests and reactions to further murders of black lives throughout this past year, this conversation has continued to bubble just under the surface and then back into the spotlight. We have also seen a sharp rise in violence against Asian Americans, as the COVID pandemic has provided a sick excuse for perpetrating violence against Asian lives. Even in this past month, as violent military action in Israel and Palestine kept international attention, reports of anti-Semitism jumped to the forefront again. It seems obvious to state this, but it somehow remains a controversial statement in certain circles. America is, by and large, a racist country. Now, this doesn't mean that any individual is racist, accepting the fact that we all are racist, just not in the overtly bigoted, angry, violent way that we try to make acts of racism fit into a tidy box of definition. But it does beg the question that that if we are a nation full of individuals who aren't quote-unquote racist, how can our society then experience so much clear examples of racism? I want to state the obvious. As a white man in America, especially a white man from central Washington state and now living in Cowlitz County, my experiences of racism have often been sheltered or secondhand. I, I personally learn the lived experiences of others, and in protect, particular Black Americans, through their telling, whether it's books, Twitter threads, music, documentaries, dramatic retellings, or conversations with those who have experienced this reality of our time. And in that reality of not having that lived experience, I do not have a lot to add to the overwhelming discourse and voices that can speak much more eloquently and authentically to the lived experience of what it means to be a racial minority in our country, especially when that minority status can easily be identified through something as trivial as skin color. If you'd like to learn from these voices, to have a better understanding of what it particularly means to be a Black American, I recommend reading Ibram Kendi, Ta-Nehisi Coates, or Austin Channing Brown, watching films like Dear White People, the documentary 13th, or Just Mercy, and listening to music and watching the accompanying music videos by artists like Childish Gambino, Leon Bridges, or Janelle Monae. These are suggestions that just barely scratch the surface of a wealth of experience and art that can help you learn from those who've lived a life that is much different than your own. 
so why do a whole episode of the podcast on race and racism if I'm not going to throw in my two cents? Because I believe that the church, in particular the Episcopal Church, one of the whitest denominations in our country, has a unique role to play in addressing the systemic issues of racism prevalent in our society. In many ways, it is our job, as Christians, as those who have benefited from these systemic policies and practices, to use the immense privilege and power we have inherited to tear these very same systems down around us. This is challenging work. It calls us to completely shift our thinking and view the world through a variety of lenses that we have never had to consider in the past. It asks us to reflect deeply in our faith and come to accept that many of the pieces of our society that we take for granted, that we expect, that we cannot imagine living without, do not draw their strength from justice, dignity, and respect, but rather oppression, subjugation, and fear. This work calls us back to our baptismal covenant and forward into a covenant of anti-racism. As we wrestle with this work, we will be challenged by topics, phrases, concepts that we will want to turn off from, that we'll want to respond in anger to, that we'll want to ignore whatever comes after because we've been offended or upset by the concept. It is here in those moments that we must commit and recommit ourselves to this work and listen for the movement of the Holy Spirit, calling us into a more perfect creation that is truly built upon the concepts of God's kingdom, love of God. Love of neighbor as ourselves, expressing that love of God. Love that is unconditional, all-encompassing, all-surpassing. Let's begin. The work of racial reconciliation is one of the most important aspects of Christian life and faith before the church today. When we're baptized, we profess our faith in our baptismal covenant, and we make promises to live that faith out in action through the following promises. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread, and in the prayers? We respond, I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God and Christ? I will, with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will, with God's help. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will, with God's help. It is these final two questions that continue to come up when we look at the failings of our society around us. We have worked hard to live into the first three, so hard, in fact, that we've allowed the final two to slide. We caveat these questions. We put parameters around them. We have qualifiers for who makes the cut of neighbor, all, every, human being, what the definition of respect and dignity truly are. The baptismal covenant isn't supposed to be easy. It calls us into a life and faith that is purposefully challenging. It calls us into a different way of being, a different path to follow, the way of love that is laid before us by Jesus Christ, the way of love that can change this world if we simply give into it and express it in every aspect of our lives. 
This is our baptismal call, and it is the call that is laid before us in the work of racial reconciliation. In the church, reconciliation holds a deeper, more impactful meaning than simply restoring friendly relations between two people. Reconciliation is what brings us back into a relationship with God. Reconciliation through salvation, through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, is the end of our estrangement with God. It is the restoration of a deep bond and relationship with our Creator and with one another in that relationship. This is where racial reconciliation calls us, to see our siblings in creation as holy and fully equal in the eyes of God, to admit our failings, our propagation of sin through racist practices, racist violence, racist oppression, our complicit support of systemic racism, and to seek forgiveness for them before God and our siblings, to seek to restore that sacred relationship of love between neighbors, to atone for the nearly unforgivable hurt and harm that we have allowed to be perpetrated, that we ourselves have perpetrated, to cry out in humility for the lack of love that we have shown, even if it was as simple as standing on the sidelines as our siblings were continually made to face the evils of this society. work of racial reconciliation is not going to be easy. It calls us to work to educate ourselves, not relying on those who are exhausted and tired from the long fight against racism. One way we can engage in that work is through a special program called Sacred Ground. This is a formation program that presents films, readings, and conversations specifically for white people around the racist history that has permeated our culture and society. I walked through this program with eight people this past year, learning and being challenged by what was put before us, and we will offer this program again this upcoming year at St. Stephen's. Simply let us know if you'd like to join us. Another way to engage in this work is being done by our Diocese of Olympia, which is working to understand how systemic issues of racism have kept those of racial minorities from accessing the church in the same ways, with the same success that white members have taken for granted. One of those pieces has been a, the adoption of the Anti-Racism Covenant, originally written by Bishop Dion Johnson of the Diocese of Missouri. In a moment, I'll read the covenant in full because it succinctly puts the work we are called to engage in before us in a form of prayer before God. This Anti-Racism Covenant challenges us to move beyond our own preconceived notions, to seek to understand the lived experiences of those who face racism, daily in many cases, to accept our own role in propping up systemic racism, and to seek God's strength and guidance in becoming anti-racist, in loving all of our neighbors, affording them the respect and dignity they deserve as holy and fully equal members of God's creation. The covenant begins. The sin of racism disrupts the harmony and oneness that God intends for humanity. Racism is dangerous, divisive, and damaging. Racism purports that some are deserving of dignity over others and disregards the image and likeness of God found in every human being. We are created in the image of God. Therefore, to engage in racism of any form is to refuse to acknowledge the image of God in the other and the stranger. 
The fact that we were created in the image of God should remind us that each person is a living expression of God that must be respected, preserved, and never dishonored. Throughout our history, courageous people of God have taken the risk of standing up and speaking out for the least and the lowest. God now challenges us to become courageous people who seek to create sacred communities of hope by dismantling the sin of racism. This work involves risking ourselves for the sake of God's love, moving beyond ourselves in order to seek and serve Christ and one another. We lament. As people of faith, we acknowledge our sins and our failure to respect the dignity of every human being. We have individually and corporately fallen short of the glory of God, and now call to mind and name the aspects of our lament. We lament the church's role in the subjugation, enslavement, and genocide of societies of indigenous peoples, including Native Americans and Pacific Islanders. We lament the church's role in profiting from the selling, trading, and genocide of people of African descent and the lasting effects of the peculiar trade present with us today. We lament the church's complicity by silence in the commoditization, dehumanization, and belittling of peoples brought to this country to toil and brutal labor, including Latinx people, Asians, Pacific Islanders, and other immigrant and undocumented populations. We lament the church's complicity in failing to honor the language, culture, and civil rights of Latinx people, both American citizens and those from other countries. We lament the places in which we have been spectators and participants in the public and private lynching of people of African descent. We lament the church's lack of moral courage to stand with and on the side of the poor, the marginalized, and the oppressed. We lament the systems of white supremacy, white exceptionalism, and white privilege present in the church that have condoned people, particularly people of African descent, being viewed as less, inferior or unworthy, rather than as beloved children of God, made in the image of the divine. We lament the ways in which the stories of people of color have been diminished or erased from the histories of our churches, institutions, and communities of faith. We lament the collusion of the church with systems that directly and indirectly promote racism, oppression, segregation, and disenfranchisement. We lament the willful blindness of Christian leadership in promoting and advocating for systems of over-policing, the militarization of the police, mass incarceration, school-to-prison pipelines, poverty, and violence. We lament the resounding silence and the crippling fear that often infects the church in matters of racial reconciliation and social justice. As people of faith, we are called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Recognizing the places in which the church and people of faith have fallen short of God's love, particularly in the legacy of racism and white supremacy, we seek to amend our lives to more fully reflect God's dream of a beloved community. We covenant to re-examine the history of our communities of faith and institutions to, in tangible ways, acknowledge racist legacies, and to recognize, remember, and retell the stories of Native American, enslaved persons, and other people of color whose labor contributed to white privilege. We covenant to engage our communities of faith, staffs, colleagues, and experts in critical discourse that propels us forward.
We covenant to devise and implement standards, policies, and programs that make our commitment to diversity and inclusion a visible reality. We covenant to listen in local businesses that are owned and operated by people of color and to invest in them and other underrepresented populations. We covenant to listen to and to validate the stories, experiences, and feelings of people of color as companions along the journey, valuing these experiences as being sacred. We covenant to adopt an intersectional approach in all aspects of our common life, remembering that all forms of oppression are connected. We covenant to financially support the important work of historically black colleges and universities. We covenant to work towards the dismantling of the school to prison pipeline and other systems of institutional oppression. We covenant to stand up and speak out against everyday micro and macro acts of oppression or aggression. We covenant to struggle and speak out against denial of civil liberties and voter suppression. We covenant to educate ourselves and share with others the many places where our privilege blinds us from being compassionate to others. We covenant to call out bigotry and hate speech in all aspects of our common life. We covenant to gather with others, including faith leaders and decision makers at all levels of the church, to ask the hard questions. Does the leadership of our institution reflect the diversity of those we serve? Are the many faces of the diverse body of Christ represented in decision-making processes? How are we inviting and forming leaders? Who is missing from around the table? Whose untold story do we need to hear? We covenant that in our corporate worship and other activities of our communities to intentionally cultivate welcome, hospitality, and participation for people of all cultures, ethnicities, and backgrounds, and to include their rich musical and liturgical offerings in worship. We covenant to invite all members of our faith communities to reflect about and seek a better understanding of racism and privilege. We covenant to preach about and pray together for an end to racism and white supremacy, not to bring down people of European descent, but to lift all others up. We covenant to join with local community organizations in working for racial justice. this anti-racism covenant has spoken to you, moved you, challenged you, and you want to accept the challenge. You are encouraged to visit antiracismcovenant.org to add your name to the ever-growing list of those who are committing themselves to this work. As a leader of a church in Cowlitz County, Washington State, it is imperative to me that I myself and my people engage in this work, wrestle with the challenges before us, because we are in a place that makes it easy to shelter ourselves from the lived experiences of our neighbors of a different race. We see this as a problem that affects people else, somewhere else. It's a Portland or Seattle problem, not a Longview or Kelso problem. But that attitude ignores the reality of our history in this place. That attitude ignores the question of why we live in a place that isn't all that diverse racially, has not ever been all that diverse even as we argue that this is a place that is desirable to live, with accessible real estate prices, at least compared to the areas around us, opportunities for business, and much, much more. That attitude ignores the reality 
that our schools are more racially diverse than the overall population statistics would leave you to believe. So how are we going to create a new community that lifts up and supports our youth, that entices them to come back, or even just simply stay and invest in their hometown? reality is that racism is an original sin of our country, and it is up to us to tear down any system that has used racism as a founding principle. This will be as simple as educating ourselves and advocating for our neighbor. This will be as complex and challenging as reframing and reforming our concepts of police, of banking, of home ownership, of voting and politics, of reparations. This is foundational work that we as Christians must engage in if we are to follow the way of love that Christ has left before us towards a better creation, a creation that lives into the ideal of the kingdom of God. I want to thank you for joining me today for Your Neighbor, a Priest. I'll be taking a short summer break before returning in September with our next episode. And until then, get vaccinated, mask up if you feel so called, be well, and may God's unending, all-encompassing peace and love be with you all.